Welcome to Canterbury, home of Canada's queer media. I did momentarily forget where I was. That's okay. I don't and you. who I am. I'm Luke, Luke Smith. And I'm, I'm Sebastian. Smith. Yes. And uh, a little later on, we are interviewing the uh, counsellor for the Somerset Ward of Ottawa. And you're thinking, why are we interviewing a small uh, small town councillor? I say small town, it's the capital city. Uh, a local councillor. Um, on a national LGBT show when we're not actually broadcast in Ottawa. And uh, it relates to the LGBT village and the uh, current occupation of uh, horns and sirens that is oh, yes. uh, in the downtown core. Yes. So we have that uh, joyful discussion to look forward to a little later. Yep. Although I should say, um, I live about a 20 minute walk from the eastern edge of it. So I went to check it out. Uh, I am still warming up. That is how recently I've gotten back. Uh, I was appropriately dressed from the waist up and from the waist down. Uh, Have you ever been so cold that when you you heat up, you get itchy? Mm. Oh, yeah, that's not good cold. Yeah, no, my my thighs are crazy itchy right now. So that's Mm -hmm. uh, I I should wear long johns. (laughs) But whatever, it's it's all good. It's supposed to be like minus 20. I'm surprised you went out. I was going to clean the back garden and I realized tomorrow is minus like seven and i'm like i'll wait a day and, and <laughs> just like not be 13 degrees colder so that's uh that's somebody now um i'm gonna kick off with somebody who doesn't seem to mind what the temperature is uh last week uh last weekend um we had the kickoff of the um winter olympics in beijing mm. we have been sending our, our succeeding thoughts to uh, the uh, Olympians who are representing Canada in uh, Beijing. And there was an interesting story because a lot of the LGBT media is trash. And I mean that in the trashiest way possible. Like if the John Waters sure, way. Yeah, yeah. Just like look at the stories on QWERTY and, and you, you would, at least the gay male community was mm-hmm. quite concerned that the opening ceremonies of Beijing would be lacking a certain shirtlessness that that uh, certain people look forward to at the olympics well that that and uh spandex uh or <laughs> there's definitely enough spandex at the olympics <laughs> if no spandex uh then sweatpants uh where uh, where the gentleman is wearing silky boxer shorts or no undergarments at all yes everyone is aware of the great sweatpants phenomena um peter tafo tafoa of tonga um, usually was the standard bearer for shirtless flag carriers. Um, but with the recent volcanic eruption outside of Tonga, um, stayed instead of attending the Olympics to help uh, his community recover from that natural disaster. I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. That was an interesting news story. Interesting, like tragic, but interesting that like from a geological point of view, the the, the story behind it is actually fascinating, but tragic, but. As uh, many viewers of the Olympics may have seen, Nathan Crupton of American Samoa um, picked up the mantle as okay. it were, uh, in, in terms of representing the shirtless community. Now, we are excited to see Megan Banks perform at the biathlon. Um, we're also keeping an eye out for Paul Poirier and Eric Radford in the figure skating and um, when it comes to ice hockey, there's quite a lot of people. We've got Brian Jenner, Erin Ambrose. Um, what else have we got? Emily Clark, Melody Doost, uh, Jamie Lee Rattray, uh, Jill Sonnier. I apologize if I'm butchering these names. 
and Micah Zandihart, who, at least according to Outsports, is openly LGBT. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can check out Outsports. They have Meet the Seven Out Players from the Canadian Olympic Women's Hockey Team. And you can follow them all on Instagram, which is always uh, great to see how they're doing. We're sending them lots of happy thoughts. Yeah, when you're saying seven out members, and I'm like, in all the Canadian Olympics? And then you finish the sentence and said, women's hockey team. I mean, th- there isn't a, a hockey stereotype there where the way there is a women's softball stereotype. I thought it was women's, like, rugby was a stereotype. Actually, uh, when I lived in Hong Kong, I had a roommate who was a rugby player, and she was like, you'd be shocked as to how many straight women are on the rugby team. Which, I, uh, field hockey, though, that, that has a reputation for... Mm. for uh, Lesbian I spent uh, I spent part of my time growing up in Canada and uh, in high school, and the women's field hockey and the women's hockey team they are they are bulldozers. Yeah, no, they're and they're vicious as well. Yeah, yeah. You, I wouldn't want to be on the on the the other opposing team. Like, yeah. no, count me out. Yeah, yeah. Very, very uh, terrifying. <laughs> Bless my little gay heart. I couldn't uh, couldn't keep up with it. You just go go watch the lacrosse team mm-hmm. because the 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 men's lacrosse they they do wear the the silky shorts. I am aware of this because I may have binge watched several seasons of Teen Wolf. Well, they all have nice calves. That's really all you need to know. <laughs> all right. Well, on to more interesting news. Um, <laughs> the donor has announced that in their HIV vaccine trial Mm -hmm. they have now um, injected uh, those who are participating in the hiv vaccine trial Mm -hmm. using m oh my gosh mrna mrna i don't know why i can't get my tongue around that mrna Um, yes the mrna um, messenger ribonucleic acid yeah, obviously. If I can't say the acronyms, what are the odds of me pronouncing the actual uh, incorrectly? Like, holy gee. Bearing in mind, actually, when we had, um, oh, I've just blanked on his name, even though he, Gary, uh, when Gary we had LeCasse. Gary, yeah, when we had Gary Lacasse on here a uh, month and a half, two months ago, he, he reminded us several times that the current mRNA um, vaccine for uh, uh, the COVID virus is an adaptation of a technology originally developed for HIV medicine. So this is basically like HIV catching up to, well, not HIV, HIV medicine, I should say, catching up to uh, where it would have been if there weren't uh, a whoopsie uh, in the world, in the form of a world pandemic, uh, sort of diverting a few. Well, not a bajillion dollars into pandemic research. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting because you know, HIV vaccine studies mm. were chugging along at their sort of funded level, you know, going so-so at such mm-hmm. such a speed for, for quite a while. And yep. we would eventually have got there. But uh, to pardon the pun, the accelerated research development and rollout of the mRNA technology due to this pandemic mm. has been a real shot in the arm for HIV vaccine research. Like uh, it, it, it massive, uh, I did say pardon the pun. I invented <laughs> this, this shot in the arm uh, metaphor. But uh-huh. it, it really has, you know, spurred on this other area, you know, yeah. the other sort of, 
uh, vaccines that are also using the same technology. And, and good timing, too, because there's a, a study that came out of the Netherlands showing that there's a new subtype because viruses mutate all the time. So this is HIV-1 subtype B. And it creates a viral load that's three to eight times higher than uh, HIV subtype A. So basically what that means is that you are two to eight times as infectious. So you, even though it's incredibly difficult to catch HIV, getting somebody, if somebody has a high viral load of this particular virus, this particular variant, you're more likely to get it. And if you do get it, it progresses from HIV into AIDS in like a quarter of the time. But what they've found, and this is the good news part, is that if you're on antiretrovirals, if you're on the PrEP, if you're on the various other things, it's exactly as effective as if you were on some other strain. So this is really just an issue of if they catch it early enough, no difference. So it's a, a, a bad news. It's mutated. Good news. Doesn't matter. Our current technology works on it anyway. You just need to test regularly. So they're monitoring it. But the, the vaccine is uh, uh, pretty optimistic. There have been a number of failed vaccines over the past 20 years, but like the mRNA vaccine technology is very, very new um, to the point where like one of the reasons why they, they managed to come up with a new vaccine so quickly for COVID was basically once you get the genetic sequencing of the virus, you just put that into a computer and you basically press print and it comes out with like it chemically constructs from the, the ground up an mRNA strain to act as an inoculation against it. So it's we're we're. We're starting on the doorstep of like Star Trek territory where mm -hmm. they just take like a little sample and then they put it in a computer and it just generates something for a hypo spray. I was uh, listening to Babbage by The Economist, which is their science uh, podcast. Okay. And they were talking about sequencing the human genomes mm -hmm. and sort of where that moves forward. And really, you know, the National Health Service in the UK is introducing a study now where um, kids can opt in and have their genome sequenced, mm -hmm. the whole genomes. Mm -hmm. And now in 1980, oh, 80, whenever it was that they they sequenced the first human genome, it took, them ten, it took them 10 years and $10 billion. Yep. They can now do it in about 10 days for about a grand. And yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. And it's massively how far the, the, the you know, that, that kind of, um, medical tech has, has moved forward. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the fact that uh, these sequencing uh, labs and, and Britain leads the yep. way in them um, is uh, is great news. And if you're thinking like I did 23andMe for 40 bucks or whatever, uh, that's a different technology where it uh, it puts your DNA through a gel electrophoresis and you get different bands. It's a, it's a whole thing. It's similar, but different. It's not the actual sequence. It just tells you the length of segments, but doesn't matter. Uh, it, it is a different technology. If you're like, that's not 40 bucks. I did it for 40 bucks. It's, it's different. It's that's not a grand it was $44.99. Um, no, absolutely. No, that's, um, I don't know. They, yeah. The reason why the National Health Service is doing it is because they're finding that they can identify rare and unique uh, diseases almost instantly mm. by looking at genetic markers from sequenced DNA. Mm -hmm. So for a lot of people who suffer from who knows what and all of their doctors are perplexed and scratching the head. It yep. did make me think of you. Um, genetic sequencing <laughs> is, is being seen as a bit of a, a solution to that. Yeah. The, the, the ongoing saga of my family and doctors saying, I don't know, shrug emoji. I guess it's lupus. Like it's. <laughs> yeah. 
This is why you're not allowed out at full moons. <laughs> that is exactly why. All right, uh, let's move on. The gay dating app Grinder has left China. Ooh. Now, there was some confusing. You said uh, during the break before we started that uh, Grinder has changed hands far too many times. It is so easy to lose track. Much Uh-oh. like grinder really it's yeah. there's a lot of changing hands there um, i was thinking more like Jan- jennifer aniston's boyfriends during season like three four five of friends mm, this is also true yeah but everyone remembers brad pitt didn't she always. date burt reynolds for a while i thought it was brad yes it was burt reynolds yeah but it, also just... did george clooney get the oh, oh wasn't he god wasn't i don't even I know <laughs> all right um anyway uh grinder was initially or or momentarily owned by the Chinese company in 2020. Uh, It was then sold to an American company. But uh, when China passed the personal information protection law, which Mm -hmm. would have required information stored in apps and data be transferred between China and other regions to be approved by the Chinese government, um, Grindr essentially said that's not particularly viable. So we're going to just pull out of China. So on this Giggity. occasion, Grinder has pulled out. But if you're Giggity. in China, um, the app Blued, B-L-U-E-D, um, has always been significantly more popular in uh, in Asia than Grindr. Um, and that is still available in China, as I believe it is a Chinese firm. All right. The last story I have before we jump into our oh. interview is about Madison County Library. Now, we have been keeping an eye on literal book burning in the okay. United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you mm-hmm. think it can't get more sort of night of the long knives, then it really is. It is ridiculous looking at what happens in the United States. But in Madison County, in the city of uh, Ridgeland, the mayor um, essentially said, who is a, a very extremely devout Christian mm-hmm. essentially has withheld $110,000 from the public library. Okay. Um, unless they hand over LGBT books that he doesn't quite like the look of. You're phrasing it like it's a hostage situation. Bring out the books. See, or the, the, the cash gets it. Like, um, that's pretty much what it was. <laughs> <laughs> It does sound like a bit of a spaghetti western, but yeah. <laughs> you know, for this library, that hundred and ten thousand is uh, is absolutely key. Mm-hmm. Um, according to local law, the library is supposed to receive the funding. The library board decides what happens with the money, not the mayor. Um, the mayor's only job is to give the money. However, this uh, particularly extreme mayor has decided not to. But all is not lost. You can go to the Fund Libraries website and Ridgeland Book Banning for Mm -hmm. the library. They were trying to raise $500 Mm -hmm. just to help keep things ticking over as they deal with this. But then somebody in the furry community found out. Yep. what do you know about the furry community, Sebastian? In the Venn diagram of furries and 4chan, there's a very large overlap. Uh, you do not, if you hurt cats or dogs, the internet will rain down on you like a ton of bricks. And I know a lot of people who are like, on the one hand, 4chan infuriates me. 
But on the other hand, I'm very sympathetic towards pets, and they have done a lot of like pet justice. Um, and uh, furries uh, tend to be very well funded. Those suits are not cheap. They really are not cheap. The the yeah. full animal costumes are very pricey. Well, the furry known as uh, Sotak shared it on Twitter, and the library's fundraiser asking for five hundred dollars is now sitting at, let's have a quick look, at time of recording, $86,000. Okay. So they are doing <laughs> quite well. Um, I hope they reach the 110000 and can uh-huh. tell the mayor where to stick it. Uh-huh. But uh, who knows? All right, right. we're going to jump to our first track. This is from Lights. It's called Prodigal Daughter. And the reason why I chose Lights is because I was talking to the station manager at CFBW, um, FM in Hanover, Ontario. And he was telling me they had a co-op student that was volunteering there who wanted to become a pop star. So okay. he volunteered to learn a bit about the radio industry. And I was like, okay, cool. Whatever happened to them? And he's like, well, they became lights. And I'm like, <laughs> like, like lights, like on a billboard, like they became the name was in lights. And it's like, no, no, they were literally the band lights. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. Very exciting community radio connection to, uh, to lights. This is Prodigal Daughter. We will be back just
and welcome to Cangria, home of Canada's queer media. My name is Luke Smith. And I'm Sebastian. And I am very excited, and, and I assume Sebastian is as well, to have longtime friend of the show and the councillor for pretty much the downtown, the, the core of the core, the mm-hmm. uh, centre town, I think is the name of the rounding. Uh, Catherine McKinney, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, nice to see you both. Absolutely. <laughs> now, unfortunately, I wish this could be a, a more pleasant time. I'm sure all of our listeners from coast to coast are aware of the the convoy that I mean, it's not it's a solid it's a stopped convoy. Or you call it convoy. It's, it's, it's an occupation at this point. Yeah, they, they have literally set up camp in the downtown core, effectively shutting down the business. But there are elements of it that have drastically impacted the LGBT community um, that I wanted to talk about, starting off with Sebastian. You know, our mutual friend, Liz, who used to work with Canadian AIDS Society. Oh, yes. Her and many others who live in the Ottawa suburbs have reached out to people in the core, offering to essentially evacuate them into the suburbs because (laughs) of the unbearing amount of harassment and noise uh, going on. Were you aware of this sort of grassroots evacuation in your riding where people are literally trying to leave for both their mental and physical health? I actually, I actually was. There has been um, certainly targeted uh, violence towards, um, you know, people, uh, queer community in, um, in the downtown. It started um, early in the occupation last weekend uh, where I was hearing from people who, you know, if they had a flag, a rainbow flag in their window, were being harassed. Um, you know, one young couple in particular, um, you know, things thrown at them and uh, someone defecated on their front step. Eventually, they, they did have to be escorted out of the downtown. Uh, popular coffee shop on Elgin Street yesterday with a brick thrown through the window. Again, a rainbow flag in the window. So uh, I am hearing um, <clears throat> I am hearing a lot of reports of um, particularly targeted violence towards BIPOC queer community uh, people. Now you're riding, and the downtown core is home to the gay village. Um, it's home to a very vibrant community, very diverse community. And, you know, we are friends in that area, some of whom have told me they've been called the the uh, homophobic F-slur going mm-hmm. about their dis- business, you know, t- you know, in the city for 20 years. First time they ever get harassed is when this occupation shows up. Um, so it's certainly quite jarring for what is usually a remarkably welcoming community to be turned in, so hostile. Oh, absolutely. That is what is so absolutely heartbreaking about it and um, makes this one of the saddest weeks I've ever experienced in my uh, time in, in Ottawa, not just in office, but uh, living here, is that we do have such a vibrant, diverse, welcoming city. We, we know that. We're, you know, we're known for it. And to have this occupation uh, happening uh, in and around Parliament Hill, but then to have um, this this undercurrent of violence seeping through our residential neighborhoods, and it really is thugs. It's no, it's the best way to um, to describe it. Thugs driving around and um, harassing people. So you you can't 
you know, it's it's one thing to say don't go don't go into the occupied area, if you will. Although some people live there, many thousands. Mm-hmm. But even uh, no matter where you are downtown, you can be the subject of hate uh, in a second, and uh, you just don't know when it's going to happen. It's it's quite frightening. I think the fact that it's happening in in center town is is part of the alarm because like uh, when I first moved to Ottawa, I lived out uh, beyond Canada in Stittsville, and the suburbs. Occasionally, you have teenagers driving around yelling things from cars, and half the time, I don't think they even understand the implications of what they're yelling. They're just idiots in a car. Also, they're in a car driving by, so that's brave. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the the fact that it's happening in the core, the only other time I've ever heard about this, but there was, uh, I think, three years ago, there was a couple dozen arrests at uh, Glowfair, and they were all out-of-towners, and they were all causing mm-hmm. a ruckus. I don't know if you remember this. Oh, I do. Oh, for sure. yeah. Probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and there was there was some homophobia going around there, but then I also remember uh, speaking with the police at the time, and they said none of them had an Ottawa address. So it was just mm-hmm. people coming here, getting drunk, causing a ruckus. All of them were way over the line as well in terms of drinking. So they said, I mean, not to excuse it, but that may have been a huge factor. But this, this is different because, I mean, this is not just Glowfair. This is not one fun evening. This is uh, we're we're almost on to two weeks now. Yeah. Well, we're yeah we're day eight. Day eight. Friday is day eight. Yeah, we're into it. Um, absolutely. So what happened at Glowfair? Obviously concerning, but you know it's it's a few people. It's quickly contained. Mm. The rest of it, you know, you you, you you're not in any danger uh, once those. Those those people have been moved out, if yeah. you will. Uh, similar here, that everybody who is um, causing this chaos um, is and this and this violence and terrorizing people in the downtown are also not from Ottawa. Mm-hmm. But the difference is that even though we can come together and protect each other, and we do, there's just so many. It's just so much. It's just happening at a constant rate, and. Uh, and unfortunately, here we are, day eight, and it just doesn't seem to be getting better. It was it was supposed to be a good day on Monday with the province lifting restrictions for local mm. businesses, for restaurants, um, to be able to kind of give them that shot in the arm and keep them sustaining after those recent uh, provincial health um, measures were put into place. But I've heard from at least one LGBT local business owner seriously asking the question about moving his business out of the downtown core and, you know, a queer business in the village because of, you know, this impact on top of everything else. What are you hearing from the business community downtown? Are they, you know, I'm hearing many are struggling with anti-vax, anti-maskers disrupting business, but what are your, what are you hearing? Oh, absolutely. Businesses are, are suffering. Um, most of them are closed. Uh, they, they can't open. Uh, the, the harassment is just too great and, and it's unsafe. And as we know, with, especially with small local businesses, it's either the owners who are often themselves, uh, you know, maybe newcomers or, or people who are, you know, um, struggling to get by. Like mostly local business owners are not, you know, your, your wealthy uh, corporate lords, if you will, um, or they're, or they're staffed by young or people, you know, teenagers or people earning, you know, lower incomes. 
and it's 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 just again it's just so um distressing to think that you know they've lost uh over a week of wages a week of earnings um and you know the the thought of people leaving the downtown uh, is is very difficult because we know that this city any city needs a thriving vibrant downtown so that the rest of the city functions well and the the long-term consequence of this um i worry about i worry that people will will you know see this and and think that it's not something they want to ever chance again so again i I, you know i I can't stress it enough residents were in the downtown were abandoned they were Mm. abandoned they continue to be abandoned during what is a national crisis the international community is watching. Mm. I have been interviewed by New York Times, Washington Post, more like everybody is watching. What is I, happening? I this appreciate is you coming crisis. out the time to, oh, yeah. for us to to chat with you. Um, but but my you know my my point is that it's it we're occupied and and we are being left to our to our own uh, devices and really. The fact that the federal government has not done more is um, is really uh, quite an indictment. I want to jump in on that because, of course, you've mentioned that the protest is anchored on federal territory and it's the responsibility of the RCMP. However, OPS currently polices it. That being said, um, the auto police um, introduced a hate crimes hotline. And uh, even since they've invo- done that, I think they had a press release, press statement saying, you know, if you see something, say something, because mm. crimes don't exist unless you tell them. Um, and that's, I think it can be best summed up by a tweet from the Beaverton, where the Beaverton says, Ottawa police announces they will enforce laws. Because it's that sense of where have they been for the last seven days? Absolutely. You know, days and days go by where you're more likely to get a ticket for parking on a double yellow in a residential area than you are (laughs) in the protest that's occupying the core. Part of this is is just an issue of of being an Ottawa. And this is something that all three of us have experienced to some degree, I'm sure, that any time they want to break ground on a new park or build a new bridge or build a new highway... Uh, the city, the province, and the feds fight over naming rights. They want to be the ones who can put their name on that park, put their name on that bridge, put their name on that fancy new building. But then when there are problems, they all scramble to say, oh, this is a provincial issue. This is a federal issue. This is a municipal issue. But the thing is that in cases like this, the municipality, especially you know the, the, the wards, you can't ignore it. Like it falls on you because even if, quite frankly, it should be the feds at least helping, at least advising, um, they no, can. They're tr- in. They're advising. It's not enough. It is not <laughs> enough. The yeah. local police force cannot contain what's happening. Mm. The local police force and and Wellington, to be to be clear, Wellington is actually under our jurisdiction. The hill is under federal jurisdiction, but then parts of the precinct are federal. Mm. What needs to happen is the city police chief or the mayor need to request that the RCMP assume responsibility for what's happening on the hill. Mm -hmm. They will not do that. I have begged them to do that. I have begged the prime minister just to do it Mm -hmm. on on behalf of the city myself. Nobody 
nobody has um, has accepted that responsibility. So what has happened essentially is this, you have a, a local police force that cannot manage what is happening on the Hill. This is a national crisis. You've got a local police force and when they're on the Hill and all, you know, all resources are there, the downtown, the residential areas are abandoned. They yeah. are, uh, there is absolutely no police presence. So people are running them up. There, there are very two very different confrontations happening happening here. There's what's happening on the hill, convoy, uh, yeah, occupation. It's horrible, uh, anti-mandate, anti-vax, but it's what's happening in the residential area that really is the the crime, and uh, what people who are living in the residential area are dealing with is actually um, it's they're being targeted and we need the, the, the full presence of our local police to be on every street corner to, to stop it. And I mean, I don't often call for police on every street corner. I can tell you that. <laughs> I get the irony in this, I do. But what we're dealing with needs uh, a police presence and we don't have it because mm. the focus is on the Hill. I think time is running out a little bit, not to sound alarmist, but when you've got the chief slowly and the prime minister talking about the role of the military and what I'm seeing from people who live in the community is a significant running out of patience. Mm-hmm. And it, I, it's a matter of time before those who live in those areas start to push back and fight back. And that's not a situation that is, that is safe for anybody so mm-hmm. I think uh, effective policing is is important. I don't know, as a member of the local LGBT community, if a hotline is sufficient for me to feel safe in that area. Of course not. Of course not. By the time, by the time mm-hmm. you're calling that hotline, you have been attacked, harassed, sometimes violently. Um, you know what? You can report it. Sure. We need it to stop. We don't. Mm-hmm. You know, sure, we need to report. And I'm getting, I can't stay on top of emails of people sending me pictures that are pose huge threats in the downtown. And I tell them, you have to call 911. You have to. I'll send this in, but you have to. Mm-hmm. Um, and they tell me, well, 911's jammed up. Like it's, we need it to end. We need an end to this occupation. I am not a policing expert. I am not a riot control expert, but there are. And we need it to end. You know, it ended uh, on Capitol Hill, um, January 6, 2021. We saw a massive insurrection. January 7th, there was nobody left. They moved them out. It's what we need. We need the federal government to move in in some manner, RCMP, OPP to stop people from coming in, Ottawa police to ensure that, that people who live here are safe. But we need all hands on deck. We need everybody. We don't just need what was given to us today, which was essentially 150 new officers. And we only got that because I am, you know, I begged and I pleaded for, for almost a week for some help. And that's all we got. It's not, uh, I hope it's sufficient. Um, the proof will be in the, in the outcomes. So I know that uh, you have a council meeting scheduled for Monday uh, in the week that this be- is broadcast. Um, so we'll we'll keep an eye on it. Um, as an Ottawa one, I certainly hope that this is resolved very quickly for the safety of everybody 
in the community. Uh, but knowing that the LGBT community, the gay village in Ottawa has been massively impacted by this yes. and uh, targeted, you know, coffee shops with flags with their window bust in. Um, it's just, it's beyond unacceptable. If jumping up and down on the tomb of the unknown soldier doesn't do it for you, there's plenty of other examples of despicable behavior wow. that, uh, that makes this unacceptable. Councillor McKinney, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to chat nice with us. Nice to see you. But yeah, it's nice to chat with you both. It really is. And, and hopefully we can speak on, on a more optimistic topic uh, at another time. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. Excellent. Thank you so much. It will end. Thank you. We'll be back just after this.
Hello and welcome back to Cancrio, home of Canada's queer media. My name is Luke Smith. I'm still Sebastian. You We've already done this. Sebastian. Yeah. Yes. Um, yep. I forgot that. That was It's My House by Diana Ross from 1979. It's a queer classic, a gay classic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just felt like a bit of a throwback would be a really good fit to cap off our conversation about the protests taking place in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. Now, before we dive into our last topics, I did want to um, kind of reach out to you, Sebastian. Yeah. You've, you've borne witness yes. to the cacophony. <laughs> yes. Um, I followed up on even more news stories affecting the LGBT community since we had the interview yesterday. Right. Before okay. we talk about that, what did you witness? Um. I mean, it was it was pretty electric. The only thing I've ever seen that was similar to that, uh, I actually lived in Hong Kong in 98, 99, which is the first year after the, the handoff. And I lived near Central Park on Hong Kong Island. And one day I was at home and I heard this like absolute cacophony. And I just like, oh, all right, fine. So I put on my shoes, went out to see what it was. And it was the first legal protest against uh, the Chinese government on the anniversary of Tiananmen Square. Uh, because it was a handover and it was not really Britain and it was kind of China, but not China because it was a special territory. It was this weird kind of thing. Um, what I saw today had no fire and nobody throwing fake blood on statues. So that was a good change. Um, but one of the things that actually surprised me was the huge indigenous presence. Like I right now smell like sage because everywhere I went, it smelled like diesel, marijuana and smudges. And uh, I saw so many Métis and First Nations flags. Uh, a lot of the truckers are First Nations. And at first I was like, that is surprising me. <laughs> and then I thought, oh, wait, most of the Indigenous communities are kind of remote. They only get anything through trucks. And I was like, yeah, okay, it makes sense that there's a huge trucker contingent that is Indigenous. Uh, but anyway, yeah, no, it was noisy. Um a lot of them harmonized. I would say it was a D major seven flat chord. Uh, we'll when have to everybody ask Charlie Proof. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, uh, police were going around in the Dutch Christmas configuration, which is six to eight of them, uh, all walking together, uh, which was interesting. The the police presence. I can understand like the 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 idea that some of the the crime going on in the downtown core is ambiguous as to whether it is associated with with the 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 convoy whether it's associated with people associated with the convoy or if it's people noticing that there's so many police keeping things under control that they know that there's a gap in service and they're taking advantage and i think some of the crime that's happening down there like just going around and seeing the huge police presence and thinking every single one of these cops is here and not in Vanier, not in Orleans, not doing their patrols. Um, so, I mean, th- there there was that point that the, the counselor made that it is kind of hard to tell what the source of these crimes are, but these crimes are happening because there is no reallocation of OPP and RCMP to help out. And that was I a very, like, that that is a neutral, that is neither for nor against, and it is accurate, because I, I saw that with my own eyes for sure. Um, I had two people try to give me free coffee. It was lukewarm Timmy's, let me tell you. Um, also, actually, every Tim Horton had a queue going down the universe, just like all the way out to Mars. They all had a massive lineup. So, I mean, that was very, very, very Canadian. Uh, and yeah, no, it was it was just really busy, really noisy. 
Um, and actually, I'll tell you my favorite moment. All right. This was on my way home and I was waiting to cross. Uh, I cannot remember the street, but you know, when you come off the bridge coming away from City Hall towards U of O, that light never changes. And there's a whole bunch of people just waiting for the damn light to change. And there are people with um, uh, signs supporting the truckers and people who are part of the counter protest that was at City Hall. And we were all waiting at the, the corner and there's these two guys next to me and we started chatting. They're from Niagara Falls. They were neither for nor against the convoy. They were just hearing conflicting messages. Uh, so they just drove all the way up from Niagara to see it with their own eyes. Um, and then while we were chatting, this truck drove by and its horn was the rave horn, like the bear, 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 bear. Mm-hmm. And the whole group, we all had a laugh together because that was hilarious. And uh, that was a nice unifying moment because somebody put the rave horn on their truck. And it was just like a pickup truck. So... Like, it wasn't even part of the convoy. It was just somebody driving around Ottawa. And, they had the bear, 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 bear. and that was, that was, that was art. I will remember that forever. So yeah, that's my, that's my impression. That was your hot take of the, the city. Um, it, <laughs> but we have heard so many people have been yelled at, harassed for wearing masks. Um, Venus Envy has officially shut their doors in, uh, until I believe maybe Monday on Tuesday if things improve. Because they simply couldn't get staff in the door. Mm. They were like, people, their staff have been harassed so frequently, they're now refusing to come to work. I mean, I'll tell you, I regret not wearing a mask because burning sage gives me asthma. Um, So I I probably should have been. But it was, everything smelled like diesel, sage, and weed. There was so much weed. So much weed in the air. uh, And so much disco as well. Yeah, uh, worry about your health because the the sewage tracking for the city of Ottawa has since the occupation showed up, mm. uh, COVID nineteen and the sewage has skyrocketed. Oh, so, okay. <laughs> um, we're expecting to see a trucker occupation related spike in mm. COVID nineteen, um, which is also not remotely surprising. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, the LGBT community is definitely uh, seriously impacted by this as the a lot of the businesses and the community itself mm-hmm. lives in this area. Um, well, I'm glad that you you risked your eardrums for uh, journalistic integrity. Well, I used to live near a, a train yard uh, twice, actually. I lived near train yards and uh, a lot of the trucks have the exact same air horn that a lot of trains have. So for me, it was just kind of nostalgic. Uh, now, when when I lived near the train yards, I wasn't standing next to them while they were going off. So that was different because uh, mm. you, you called me earlier and you're like, no, you texted me. You're like, are you ready to record? And I was like, I'm a little bit busy. And then I just called you. I don't even know what you said when I picked up. But yeah, I, knew I couldn't that- hear a thing you were saying. So, yeah, I was like, I'm assuming you're. It was just honk, honk, honk. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. it was it was definitely when you're standing next to the trucks. But most of the trucks, you just tap on the window like, hey, buddy, want to chat? Most of them are bored. They're like, yeah, let's well, talk. <laughs> we know that the protests have taken wheels off of cars. They've brought, brought in older and broken trucks just to fill up the space, mm. essentially making it far more difficult to move them when the yeah. time comes. Um, there were uh, residential cars. Uh, I assume they're local because they have, well, they have Ontario plates on them anyway. So the, the it's like the, the trucks are barricaded in with local cars. So, I mean, if they do want to tow the trucks, they're going to have tow a whole bunch of residential cars first so the there there's a lot of support in the area as well but i think it's those are people who are not living near the noise there are people from like out in uh nepean or something who are supporting them so i mean it's 
it's mixed. It's, it's well, very mixed. We will leave the solution to this to the oral police who are working with everyone from the Department of Homeland Security through to intelligence agencies uh, as they Ooh. start to dig up more and more about the people participating in mm. these protests. Um, we, I think, have enough time for a last couple of stories, a lot of uh, stories out of Australia that we may not get around to. No, I don't think we have quite enough time. Mm-hmm. The Ozane Foundation has found, well, along with eight Christian organizations... Did you say uh, Hosing? Ozane. O-Z-A-N-N-E. Okay, okay. So they surveyed uh, Church of England churches as well as other Christian churches and found that the majority of the UK Christians uh, found that they LGBT folks can't feel safe to be themselves in the own in their own church. Okay. Uh, this also comes on the heels of the Catholic Archbishop of Luxembourg, who has called for the Vatican to have a fundamental revision of mm-hmm. how the Catholic Church teaches homosexuality and whether it is wrong to fire workers for being gay, church workers for being gay. Did you right. receive a, an appropriate education on homosexuality, Sebastian? Well, actually, I uh, my first communion was Catholic, and then I was later confirmed Anglican, and uh, they did not appropriately prepare me for being gay, let me tell you. If, if they're teaching how to be gay, or if they're teaching homosexuality, they're 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 falling short on that. I mean, I'm, I'm still a bad practicing, guy. so, you know, mm. that's... Practice makes perfect. I mean, I also because there was the the, the Church of uh, England of Canada, also known as the Anglican Church, had a big schism in the '90s, where like half of them were like super progressive libertarian, and the other half were super conservative. And I went to a very progressive church, and they're like, "I don't know, whatever, teach yourself." So I mean, that that may have been the problem is that they were too libertarian. Mm. They were telling you to Google it before Google was invented. <laughs> No, this, this was the kind of congregation that was like, shrug emoji. I don't know. Maybe it's a metaphor. Who knows? Doesn't matter. That's not the point. All right. so, I mean, well, it's a big issue of contention in Australia. The okay. Australian Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, is considering to, uh, measures to stop LGBT uh, students from being expelled by Christian faith schools. Mm. This comes on the heels of the City Point College uh, who made an enrollment contract that essentially compared homosexuality to bestiality or be- pedophilia mm-hmm. and uh, also required that they would only enroll someone if their gender and sect aligned. They Are these now, high schools? Uh, yeah, they have now okay. changed their mind. I mean, if anything else, it's unfair because a lot of people haven't nailed that down yet when they're 14. And by the time they're leaving at the age of 18 or 19, they're starting to figure it out. So it's like, when you enroll, you may still be unsure. So now you're being kicked out. You know, you've already been, ex- I don't know. It's, there's a timing issue here. You know, mm-hmm. you didn't know when you started there. That's not fair. That you were prepubescent. Yeah. You yeah. know, these things happen. All right. We are going to wrap it up. The last song we have today uh, is, uh, oh, let me try and find where I put it. Uh, Where Does the Good Go by Tegan and Sarah. But -hmm. if you want something a little bit more edgy, I would maybe suggest checking out Latvia's potential entry. They're still deciding. Potential entry to Eurovision Song Contest, uh, which is taking place in Italy. City Zeni uh, and their song, I believe it's called something Salad, Eat Your Salad. 
um, is potentially going to be in Eurovision. So check that out if you're feeling brave. Um, but we will be listening. To it's pretty TV bad. So it is pretty bad. I'm, we'll I'm be- open minded. I'm open minded, but it, it it might be a bridge too far for me. I I was tempted to play um, a new song by Peaches called "My Pussy Wears a Mask." Okay, and mm-hmm. and, and it is what it says on the tin, and it's, it's- also very catchy <laughs> very on brand for her yeah it is very peaches um, yeah <laughs> but yeah my pussy wears a mask by peaches is also hilarious check it out um, right. it is about what you think it is mm-hmm. uh where does the good go by tegan or sarah i have been luke smith and i've been sebastian and thank you for listening where do you go with your broken heart and soul what do you do with the left over you how do you know Where does the good go? Where does the good go? Look me in the eye and tell me. Look me in the eye and tell me you don't find me attractive. Look me in the heart and tell me. Look me in the heart and tell me you won't go. It's love that leaves and breaks the seal of always thinking you'll. What do you say? It's a photographs. You're on your way down. Where's the good go? Where's the good go? Look me in the eye and promise. Look me in the eye and promise no love's like our love. Look me in the heart and I'm break. Look me in the heart and I'm break. Broken, it won't happen. That's love that leaves and breaks the seal of all. No love's like our love Look me in the heart